0: I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you're listening in, and I've missed you. I've been gone for two weeks. We uh, did our three day free workshop training and it was so much fun. Hopefully you joined me and then we opened up our inner circle membership, which we do twice a year. And it's been such an exciting and busy time, but I am happy to be back with you. And I did not realize that the research indicates that kids are most vulnerable. To sexual abuse between the ages of 7 and 13. And unfortunately, engaging age-appropriate educational materials that teach kids to recognize and prevent abuse are almost non-existent until now. My special guest today is Dr. Amy Saltzman, and Dr. Amy is a physician, mindfulness coach, author, former Stanford gymnast, and abuse victim survivor. She calls herself a sur-thriver of decades of covert emotional abuse, and she is also an expert on protecting children from abuse. In this episode, Dr. Amy shares with us her own personal story of abuse and how to spot and stop our own kids from being abused. Dr. Amy has developed a groundbreaking new training program called Spot a Spider that teaches children teens, and young adults how to protect themselves from all types of abuse, sneaky, covert, emotional abuse, also known as grooming, very interesting what she shares, and obvious, overt, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. I learned so much interviewing her, and in this episode, she shares with us what you and your kids need to know to recognize and prevent abuse from happening. So I'm looking forward to you listening in and learning from Dr. Amy. Let's jump in. Dr. Amy, welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I am so excited to be interviewing you. We've already had a amazing conversation before I hit record and cannot wait for you just to share your mission and the wealth of wisdom that you had to have to share with our listeners.
1: I'm so happy to be with you and your wonderful audience.
0: Well, I want you to start by sharing a little bit of your story that you were just sharing with me and what led you to what you're doing
1: today. I think I'll start in the middle and we'll circle back and arrive here. But um, in August of 2020, after completing a full neuropsychological assessment, so seven hours of testing, two hours of the neuropsychologist speaking to my mentor, and an hour of the neuropsychologist speaking to my husband, the neuropsychologist determined that my relationship with my mentor of 31 years was a relationship of undue influence otherwise known as covert emotional abuse or coercive control. And that uh, realization or understanding was pretty devastating. Uh, It felt like an earthquake in my life. I lost a person who I had loved and trusted, or at least the illusion of the person I had loved and trusted. I lost kind of my temporarily my spiritual underpinnings and my sense of self
0: and,
1: um, a relationship with a loved one was really damaged. Um, having been a gymnast as a young person, and of course, being aware of all the abuse in sports, and it's not just gymnasts And it's not just sports, right? It happens in schools and in music programs and in religious settings. And so the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there's really nothing out there to teach kids how to spot what I call spiders, how to spot abusers. So how to spot and stop abusers, like most of the abuse prevention, is focused on adults and I don't in any way want to minimize teaching adults to prevent abuse creating a club and team policies to prevent abuse creating national and international policies to prevent abuse all of that's super important and there was nothing that was talking directly to the kids of how do you recognize when someone Is, I'm gonna say grooming in quotes, because when we think about grooming, we tend to think of it as something that leads to abuse. But grooming, in and of itself, whether there's any subsequent overt emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, is still abusive. So, how do you teach kids to recognize the subtle threads that a spider weaves? to trap them in their web, so that they can abuse them. And since I was joking with someone from another podcast, they said um, something about, you, you know, you really understand this. And I said, you know, 31 years of experience really helps me explain how a spider weaves a web. So the whole point was to teach kids how to recognize the filaments and the patterns and the whole web of abuse so that they can come to an adult they trust and say, as you had said to me, you know, this is creepy.
0: So you're using your own experience to help others and to help kids really be able to recognize what was happening to you as an adult.
1: Yes, so it was happening to me as an adult. Like my abuse actually didn't start till I was twenty-five, and it was so slow and so insidious and so patient. Um, I didn't I didn't recognize it until the neuropsychologist said that your relationship is a relationship of undue influence. Thirty-one years of slow, patient weaving.
0: What, what led you to that neuropsychiatrist, psychologists, psychiatrists, were you
1: neuropsychologists, are
0: you starting to recognize some things?
1: So in January of 2020, I asked after 31 years, I asked to complete my relationship with my mentor or to graduate. I mean, honestly, at the time, I thought we would complete that phase. I would take a break and we would continue in some other form. But what happened is when I asked to complete, first of all, um, I was uh, essentially paying for my sessions and a loved one's session. So I was paying this person's living expenses. And uh, she began not she began she continued to gaslight me and she told me either I had early Alzheimer's or just that I was resisting my spiritual growth and I had been committed to my spiritual growth and my spiritual evolution and um then she made a mistake and she insisted that I get this evaluation. And my sense is that she thought that when she spoke to the neuropsychologist, that she was going to convince the neuropsychologist that I was being a bad student Ah. and the, You know, I never I I went into the evaluation actually thinking that would be the outcome that I would have Alzheimer's that I would or I would have some other neurological condition or that I was just um, in fear of my own spiritual evolution, because that's a tactic that an abuser, whether it's a life coach or an athletic coach or, again, a music teacher or a school teacher they use your fear, they use your desire and your fear to control you. So that's one kind of pattern that you can look for. It's like, so they'll say, without me, you'll never become the spiritually evolved person or the athlete or the concert pianist that you want to be. And then If you push back or you challenge, then you um, they'll say, well, you're just you're acting out of fear. You're resisting your growth. Maybe you don't have what it takes. And so they're playing on your desire and your fear to control you.
0: So it is like spinning a web. Yep. And then you get so tangled up in it. It's difficult to see it.
1: Yeah. And especially if they're super patient, right? Like a thread at a time. And so not only do they tell you these things, but then at some point you kind of absorb it yourself. And even if they're not telling you, it's like, oh, well, I, I must be yeah. resisting the coaching. I must be my fear must be holding me back. If I was just braver, um I would get over this obstacle. Right. And so you you start gaslighting yourself at some point. Like it gets absorbed, it gets yeah. internalized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Almost like it's your fault, you know, that you're gonna you're gonna lose big time if you don't go go along with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about, tell our listeners about the program. I think maybe that's a really good inroad that you have developed. And it's Spot a Spider,
1: right? Right. So yeah. it's spotaspider.com. And the main, the two main pieces that are of most interest to your listeners are there are two videos. Mm -hmm. One is called how to spot a sneaky spider. And that's all about how to spot these grooming behaviors and how, so it's showing your kids. These are the behaviors that should cause concern. These are the behaviors that I want you to come home and tell me if your coach or your guitar teacher does this. And then the second video is how, so how to spot a sneaky spider is covert emotional abuse or grooming, which I think is the hardest because it's super subtle, super, super subtle. And then how to spot an obvious spider is actually how to spot obvious or overt emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. And they are obvious, but I still think as kids, as parents, we don't talk about them enough and for some crazy reason. And I will say in this case, I think sports is the worst, but we let coaches get away with stuff that we would never let a classroom teacher do. Yes, You know, we let coaches yell at someone and somehow it's okay. Or we let coaches throw things. Um, And, So one of the rules or suggestions in how to spot an obvious spider is if your coach is doing a behavior that you wouldn't, that wouldn't be acceptable in a classroom for a teacher in a classroom, then it's probably abusive. And then I do talk directly about the various forms of physical abuse um, and I talk directly using correct anatomical terms about sexual abuse because there's data actually to show that the more comfortable kids and families are with using proper terms, the less likely they are to be abused. And then in the resources sections, there's discussion questions for each video. And in the obvious spider resources, parents have a choice of two different images it's super clear click here for a nude anatomically correct version of a male and a female body and click here for a g-rated bathing suit version so that parents can make the choice um what how they want to discuss this with their kids but the more you discuss it the more openly you discuss it the less likely your child is to be abused the sexual abuse is kind of the worst case long term scenario but what i'm trying to do with how to spot a sneaky spider is to back way way up go way way upstream so that kids can recognize for example um if someone starts, if you're on a team and someone starts texting you individually, or if you're on a team and the coach wants to drive you home or, or something that sounds great, like, Oh, I'd really like to work on your free throw with you with no one else there. Like that's the place where I want people to start thinking about.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, I am so grateful that you're doing this because that's where I think we go. We don't want anybody to sexually abuse our kids. So we're talking, but there's so many things that we're not talking about, the abuse that begins to happen. And it happened at my kid's school with one of the teachers, I was telling you before we got on here. And it ended up that this teacher started messaging my kid. And it was in eighth grade and freshman year in high school and then started showing up at a game and, and he was like, you know, this is creepy. And, and I was minimizing it at the time. I did not know better. I was like, well, that's so nice. He's coming to your game or, oh, you know, and I'm now that was probably, gosh, 13, 15 years ago, maybe not that long, maybe 10 years ago. 12 years ago. Anyway, now I realized he had that red flag feeling and he paid attention to his gut that it did not feel right. And
1: And that's that's like right the game, going to the game, or a single text message, or, you know, a hand that's just a little too low or a little too high. Like each one of those as As a child and as an adult, they're really easy to write off. And this is why I want people to start to see the pattern. Because what happened for me with the neuropsychologist is in that moment when she said it's a relationship of undue influence, it really was for me like there had been a spider web there all along. There were people who loved me in my life who were saying, like, don't you see this thread? And for each thread, I had an excuse. Like, why do you jump and help her when she calls? And I would, like, jump, you know, it was, it had a certain Mm -hmm. urgency to it. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say, Oh, well, she's not feeling well. And she just needs support. Like I thought I was being kind, but I didn't realize that the, it was, I was being controlled. Mm-hmm. And so going back to like your son, it probably wasn't just the game. The guy coming to the game, it was the text message and it was the comment and it was the Hmm subtle, weird thing that he said, and your son was seeing the the pattern. And so what I want to do is to make the pattern super explicit, so that someone can say, Oh, there's a, a whole web there. And there's a spider. And I don't want to get trapped in this web. And actually, I want to get an adult I trust to come remove this spider. Yes.
0: And it was, and he ended up couple, couple grades later,
1: he got caught. So it was, and. And I wish your son was here because I'd love (laughs) to hear from him. What were the other threads and patterns? Cause he, he picked up on it and he, um, he told you, and he, he also like stuck to his guns with you, even though you said you were kind of dismissing it or explaining it. And that is what kept him safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I want you to talk about some of the signs. I think there's even seven. But as you say that there were some things he was coming home and he was saying, oh, he told me that I'm his favorite student. And then he would he would. You know, I think that even when he would come up to him, he was maybe a little too close. There was a little too much interest that
1: felt like it crossed a boundary line. Um, So the first thing that that sneaky spiders do is usually they're super charming. They make you feel special and they do something called love bombing. So you're my favorite student or. They might give you, I mean, it could be something simple, um, a pencil or, for example, with the gymnasts, right? The gymnasts were super food restricted by Bella and Marta Caroli. And so Nasser would give them something to eat. Mm -hmm. And it's it doesn't have to be big it just has to have kind of that sense of specialness and then you have that sense of specialness and that sense of being seen and you don't want to lose that and you're in the inner circle and especially if you're in a situation like sports or a band or an orchestra or something where your playing time or your solos are dependent on this person right like You want to play, you want to have a solo. And so you want to be in that inner circle. So that's all playing on the desire part. And as long as that part's working, they'll just keep being charming. But then if that part stops working, if someone like your son says, this is creepy, then often either they'll be more charming and see if that'll work and get the person to kind of chill out. then they'll say stuff like, you can trust me. This is what all supportive English teachers do for their favorite students. Um, You know, I'm, you don't, there's no reason for you to be nervous. They'll say, they'll say these types of things. And then the person will think, well, you know, I thought he was creepy, but maybe he's just trying to help me. Maybe he really likes me. Maybe he does see something special in my writing or whatever he's saying. Um, But then if being charming doesn't work to kind of calm someone's healthy worries, like your son's healthy worries, then often they'll get nasty and they'll they'll start kind of bullying you and saying, well, maybe you don't you don't really have what it takes to to write the great American novel, or maybe you don't want to have what it takes in my case to spiritually evolve, or in Simone Bile's case, maybe you don't have what it takes to be a world champion or an olympian. and so it's it's again this idea of building building up someone's self-confidence that's dependent on the abuser or eroding someone's self-confidence if they're not cooperating with the abuser
0: so it's like um i you need me
1: you need need me me to succeed and without me your dreams won't come true and in a lot of, you know, we're as a society, we've done a pretty terrible job in setting up our systems because, especially again with sports, but a lot of our systems, right, if the coach doesn't like you, you're not moving, you're not playing, you're not moving forward. And we've given people, individuals, way too much power and then There's already an imbalance of power between the coach. And I'm just going to use coach and athlete for now. Mm -hmm. There's already an imbalance of power there. And then we give as a society, we give someone even more power because they're determining the playing time. They're determining if you get recommended for the Olympic development program, they're determining if you get a spot on the Olympic team. I mean, then you've got just this crazy imbalance of power.
0: Yeah. What are some of the other signs?
1: Like kind of bragging and false humility, like uh, alternating. So, you know, one day they'll tell you, oh, I'm the greatest, and I'm going to stick again with athletes, but I'm the greatest coach. I'm the greatest piano teacher. Um, And then often if they don't want to be overtly narcissistic, then the following day they'll say, well, I would never, you know, like people say I'm great, but I would never say I'm great. And then they'll often get people to refer to them. So they'll say, well, you know, your friend, your teammate told her five friends that I'm great. And now all those five friends want to train with me too. Um, and the other one is they'll deny their behaviors. Um, they'll say, I didn't say that, or I didn't do that, or you're not remembering it correctly, or that's not how it happened. Right. And that creates doubt in the person because it's like, no, actually you did do that. But then the person's kind of going, well, did he or didn't he? Um, and then the last one is they'll start to see if you'll lie on their behalf and just like with the touch it'll you it'll usually start with something little like they'll say oh you didn't finish your drills or you're being disrespectful and because you don't want to get into it and you just want to do your sport or play your oboe or whatever it is you just say i'm sorry I'll finish my drills, or I'm sorry, I'll be more respectful. And then they know that you're susceptible to lying, you know, in a way that may harm yourself in the long run. And then they start amping that up. And it's the same thing with the touch. Like, again, maybe the touch is just A little too close to the butt or a little too close to the breast. But if you kind of brush it off, because you don't want to make a big deal, and you just want to get through the practice, and you're not really sure if it was on purpose or not, then the next time it might be closer. And so and like, it starts, then it almost starts to feel normal. And so Again, most of this is super gradual. Yeah. You do for sure have people who are just abusive from the beginning and, you know, yelling at their athletes or their musicians. Um, but more often, it's this subtle thing that's, that if you don't know what you're looking for, it's really hard to detect.
0: So wanting that, I, I'm just thinking, how much are we missing? In it because we're wanting our kids to be successful and something is going on and we're seeing it, but we're just thinking, oh, you know, that coach, they that's what coaches do. They push them really hard or they tell them that they're really special and that can feel good to a parent that you hear them saying that they're so gifted and we can miss those signs.
1: What would you say to parents? Well, I would say, I would say a couple, a couple things. I mean, groomers are super, super sneaky. They're not just grooming the athlete or the musician or the church parishioner. They're grooming the parents and often they're grooming the community, right? Like Nassar's the epitome of that groomed an entire and multiple communities for decades. Um, and we can, we as parents, A, we want our kids success and B, I mean, part of what made me so susceptible to being abused was I believe, and the more stories I hear about other people who were abused in the same way, is that we're good-hearted, kind, compassionate people, and we kind of can't fathom that someone would operate another way. So most of us want to see the best in someone. And in most cases, that's warranted, but we need to be able to detect the three or 4% where it's like, oh, that that act of generosity is grooming, or it is love bombing, or as your son said, like, it was just, it should seem nice on the surface, but it's just a little creepy. Right. And again, I want to be careful not to have people kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, because there are amazing coaches that Go above and beyond for their athletes, and particularly like in low socioeconomic settings or where someone's really struggling. And so you just want to look is there a whole web there, or is this person going out of their way to support a kid who's struggling? And you need to be discerning about it. And you can't be discerning about it if you're not thinking about it in the first place.
0: Mm -hmm. What boundaries do you think we should be teaching our kids? You talk about that. That's where I want to encourage parents to go to your website because I watched um, part of the videos and they are really good. I mean, you're very clear in, in what you know, what signs to,
1: to be aware of. So I think when, when someone's kind and supportive and telling an individual athlete that they're special or, you know, when they're focusing on one kid or at least one kid at a time settings where The sign says no parents allowed makes me super nervous. Okay. Um, A a coach or a theater director that won't let a parent in the setting. Um, The texting to individuals uh, is questionable. Um, If your kid comes home and says, you know, I'm confused, or coach yells at me, or coach runs hot and cold. Those are all kind of signs. And the videos go into it in more detail. But anything that for you or your kid, I mean, your son did it so beautifully, where it's just like, that feels icky, or that was creepy. Then parents need to be really open really non-judgmental you and I'm not criticizing you at all because I think it's totally normal but you said you dismissed some of it it's like if your kid is telling you something it's probably the tip of the iceberg and so even if all you do is say tell me more Tell me how you feel. What do you see the coach doing with other people? But the more open-ended cure part of my practice is mindfulness. So I explain mindfulness as kindness and curiosity. If you can approach anything suspicious that your child says with curiosity, like you're being a detective almost. Yes. Um That's going to be the most helpful thing, like being an open listener where your child feels safe to kind of bumble around, because unless they've watched spot a spider and unless you've had some of these conversations, it's really hard to explain the behaviors. So they're going to start with mom, it felt creepy. And then you can say, well, what felt creepy? And is there anything else that felt creepy? And like, just even how do you feel when he comes to watch your games? Um, What other concerns do you have? And it's it's not, they're not, I mean, right, I'm 58, happened to me for 31 years. It took me another year and a half to lay it out in a super simple, easy, accessible way. And it's so, So it's it's made to be dismissed. I mean, the reason you dismissed your son is because it's intentionally made to be dismissed. You told me before we talked that the guy came with his wife, right? So the logical thoughts, for any healthy non-abusive person is oh like he came with his wife that he what a nice guy right like and it's made it's made to be deceptive in that way
0: yes and it wasn't just a baseball game for high school he was playing he ended up he 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 was playing on a, a farm league team, so it wasn't like he was coming to watch all the baseball players. It was just him, and he drove far with his wife. So there was a specialness to it. Right. I love, specialness
1: is a doozy.
0: Yes, yes. And I, you know, I love that we're talking about this, and that's why I wanted to say I was dismissing it because I don't want parents to dismiss it. There was a piece of me that was getting something out of that. That I was like, oh, see, yeah, my son, he's just such an, he's special, he's such an amazing kid. But when I love, tell me more. That a little red flag should go up for us if we see see a teacher really treating our kid like they're singling them out, giving them that love bombing. You know, certain things that we should have a red flag to Say, tell me more. Because what ended up happening is he was telling me he wasn't answering his messages. And then he would love bombing more.
1: You know, right. Explain. That's the thing. Uh, if the yes. if the first charm doesn't work, yeah, their go, their first go-to is to be more charming. And then after that, they can um if the if someone's pushing back, then they can get kind of nasty, or they'll go to someone else. But you know, often it's charm on on top of charm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So good to be able to recognize, you know, listeners and to help our kids and tell me more. Um, what about the parent that's reluctant to talk to
1: their kids? So, um, I have two answers to this. The first one is I want you to think about it the way you think about any other preventive care for your kids. So I'm just going to start with crossing the street. When your kid was young, you taught them to stop at stop signs, stop at red lights, look both ways. You know, if the car is speeding up, don't cross the street. Um, And the thing is, this is what's in our control as parents. And we can talk later about what society needs to do to address these issues. But As a parent, the thing that's in your control is teaching your kid the warning signs in their relationships. All I can say is as awkward as this conversation is going to be for you, and it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be awkward. And I actually hope that I've made it super, super easy for people Super easy, super approachable. There are discussion questions that accompany Mm -hmm. each video. Like I've made it as straightforward as it could be. But I promise you that as awkward as you feel about this conversation, and I really hope you don't feel awkward, that you are going to feel way worse about having a conversation if your child experienced abuse. Right. So you have to kind of compare. Would you rather talk about it, have it be awkward before and prevent it or have it be really excruciatingly painful afterwards and not prevent it? And if you're a parent who didn't talk to your kid and whose kid was abused in some way, emotionally, physically or sexually, what's done is done. You want to have compassion for yourself. You did the best you could with the knowledge that you had, and now you want to be having probably supported conversations, or at least make sure your child's having supported conversations with a trauma-sensitive person to untangle what happened and to heal from that. Mm-hmm. but you definitely would prefer to have the awkward conversation now than have your child have to have those conversations later.
0: Well, and it's nice that you have made these videos so accessible and it can be a tool for conversation. Cause I think that's really what we need is we need those tools to help us uh, to have. And it's, it's very, it's just really helpful. And it really explains it very clearly what to be looking for. Because it can be, it can be really kind of confusing in your mind when this is happening and you want to dismiss it and it just spells it out.
1: And the, the idea is to make it simple, easy, approachable, do it in the comfort of your own home. If you find it's valuable and you're in a position where you're on the PTA or, you want to take it to your club director or to the director of the orchestra or to your um, the leadership at your church and say, "Look, like I did this with my kids. as important as it is for us to protect our own kids, and right? that's the place where we have control. There are things that we can lobby our, schools, our clubs, our theater groups, our robotics groups to put in place also to protect our our children. And so on the website, there's in addition to the discussion questions, there's hiring questions and kind of screening guidelines so that when a team is hiring a coach, you ask these questions, and if they have certain answers, you're going to go, this guy sounds like a spider, or this woman, again, I want to make sure that we know that it can be any gender. (laughs) This woman sounds like a spider, I, I think will pass. You know, these are the things that we want to train people to, to look for. And then there's, Broader policy recommendations. So, for example, a sports club should encourage people to watch Spot a Spider. They should do the screening and hiring for the coaches. They should train the coaches and the staff to spot spiders. They should have clear, anonymous reporting things. They should be committed to a zero tolerance. Policy. they should have a a system for like promptly addressing abuse and that should involve a trauma sensitive adult who's who's really the youth participants advocate right and then there should be international rules and international databases so i want this to go like from you with your kid at home on the couch watching the videos all the way to the International Olympic Committee. Here's what we need to do. For example, abusers often hop from club to club or sport to sport. And so really we need international databases and the databases should include not just sexual abuse, right? They should include emotional and physical abuse as well.
0: Yeah. The hopping around, the hopping around and having been reported and then, and nobody knows.
1: Right. And then, right. Uh, so one of the things in my kind of club's code of ethics is if we let someone go, cause this is super common. If we let someone go, we're not going to say, oh, uh, they left for personal reasons, or we had different coaching philosophies. They're going to say, we let this person go because we had concerning reports of abuse. And if they're really on their game, they're going to say that publicly to the media so that Nasser doesn't go from gym one to gym two.
0: Yeah. Or the teacher doesn't go from this school to this school. Or, or the
1: priest doesn't go that, from this church that, to that church.
0: Or the youth pastor. I mean, that has happened. Uh, churches that we know locally that that's happened. Yeah.
1: Right. And you could take this mm-hmm. to them and say, I mean, <laughs> I'll just tell you my my humorous one. Um, the Pope recently came out and, you know, started apologizing for the abuse in the church and I wrote my PR person and I just said as a joke like what if the pope promoted spot a spider. Yeah. Right like how many people would that protect if the pope promoted spot a spider around the world. Yeah. And, and people- it would be it would be a way for the church to make amends for all the abuse in the past.
0: Because it's one, it's one thing to say we're sorry. It's another thing to really proactively do something to stop it. Well, tell people, thank you, Dr. Amy, so much. This has been super helpful. I want to get the word out, help you to get the word out, our listeners to get the word out about your Spotify, spider and all that you're doing and the resources that you share and talking to their kids and talking to their schools about it and their churches and places, you know, that really need your program. So tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Yeah, it's super simple. I'm www.spotofspider.com and uh, Cheryl and I were joking. I'm most socially fluent right now on Twitter and that's At Spot Spiders. uh, But the website is a really good place to start. And anyone with a group of any size can use the fundraising piece. So even if you want to start with your girls' volleyball team that has 12 players, you can still use the fundraising piece.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. So grateful for you to
1: be on the show. Yeah, it was awesome. And I'm so grateful to your son. I mean, and really, you can tell him the next time you see him, he should be grateful to himself because he saved himself a lot of grief. Yeah.
0: Well, I will tell him that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's what we want, right? To them, our kids to know this does not feel right.
1: That's all. If, if people walk away with that one thing, if if kids can say this doesn't feel right and parents can say, I hear you and I'm going to listen to you and protect you, if, if people come away from this podcast with just that, that's enough.
0: Well, that's it for today, and thank you so much, friend, for joining me, and I would love if you are enjoying this podcast, if you would leave a review. So other moms and caregivers and grandmas and teachers and uh, ministry workers, I hear from so many of you that you are finding value in this podcast, and I love that. Uh, it's just so good to hear from you. It just means the world to me. And I'm on a mission. Our team here at Moms of Tweens and Teens is on a mission to spread the word that there is support and value here on the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. So I'd love if you would leave a review if you're enjoying Uh, enjoying the podcast here. So I cannot thank you enough to be part of this mission along with me. So have a great week and I will be back next week and I just look forward to being with you.